Are we live? Oh, we're live. Hey there, and welcome to the first ever episode of Adventures Through Time and Space. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Wilkinson. Joined alongside me is the wonderful, the beautiful, the dapper, the handsome, Renee Castro. Hi, everybody. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about all kinds of goodies, um, introduce you to the show, it's rigmarole, maybe talk about generational theories, who really knows? Logan talks about it for 20 minutes. Yes. Are we recording this introduction after the fact? Maybe, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but it's going to be a great old time. Um, probably only like four people are going to listen to this episode, because it's mainly a pilot, just to get our sea legs under us, but it'll be fantastic nonetheless. And we're very excited for this very first episode of Adventures Through Time and Space. Won't you join us through them? Pretty good. Do, 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 do. I think we're in business. Technically, E3 starts in terms of like the press conferences. What day is today? Friday? Mm-hmm. Something happens tomorrow. Um, something's going on tomorrow. I don't know what something, but something happens on Saturday. Yeah, it technically starts on Tuesday. That's when the, like, the, the floor opens. I would say most. I would say for me, like, if you're like in the industry, like E3 starts when it's like the press conferences are happening. That's E3, right? Like when Nintendo. Right. Well, Nintendo already did their. They did their direct already. Well, they're gonna do another direct on Tuesday morning. Yes. It's big. The big boy direct. Which is when it technically starts. Yep. And then, who's somebody's doing something tomorrow? I believe Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft, Microsoft is on Monday conference schedule. That might just be easy. Bethesda then. It is EA. EA oh, Play shit. live stream is tomorrow. Then Microsoft is on Sunday at at 3 p.m. real person time, central time. Uh, Bethesda is at 7.30 on Sunday. Devolver Digital, nobody cares. Nobody cares about PC gaming. Nobody's cared ever about PC games at E3. That's true. Um, then we've got... What website is I on? Den of Geek. Oh, you got my view, Den of Geek. Um, There's been a, like a surprising lack of... Like rumor and speculation for this E3, it's be, really bizarre. I think part of that is the fact that um, Sony's not going to be involved, right? So like the lack right. of Sony detracts from like a huge chunk of what's going to be there. Plus the fact that like Nintendo doesn't have its um, like isn't isn't part of E3 in the same way. Like it almost is just doing its own thing, like with like the, with the Nintendo Directs, and so that kind of makes it hard to get leaks out of them. Um, Microsoft is there, but. They're kind of the only one of the big three. Um, and then you have like kind of the smaller... Like Ubisoft, everything gets leaked because Ubisoft can't keep anything a secret if they wanted to. Yeah, they have the worst employees. Every Assassin's Creed game ever has been leaked ahead of time. Um, and Watch Dogs 3 got leaked ahead of time. Um, speaking of which, Ubisoft is on Monday, as is Square Enix. And then Nintendo's Direct, yeah, is midday Tuesday. Um, I think... I don't know, like... It's a weird E3 for me because... We, at, at one point in time, we were going to go, um, like IP was going to be there, um, and possibly, like it was like a big thing, we had like an in with one of the guys, and then he left because... Because he sucks. No, because like the ESA has, like his boss is kind of like messy, mm. um, and so he's like, I'm getting out of this, uh, and so then it became a different thing, and then we could have done stuff, didn't do stuff, but... Uh, and so it's been a weird E3 in that, and then the fact that like Sony wasn't isn't going to be there is such a big pillar, um, right? Especially for like all, a lot of us um, who got to start kind of focused on Sony. I was um, I was thinking about this. So let's say that I am the person who runs E3, mm-hmm. right? I'm in the head company. of the ESA, right? Exactly. And you know, I I think that my oh my god, that's going to destroy the microphone. That's why I took it out of my pocket immediately. God. 
So, um, so I take it out you know, I, I'm in charge of E3, mm-hmm. and this is how I make my living, and I have employees, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Sony says, you know what, we don't, we don't need you. And then Nintendo even says, yeah. we don't need you either. We're just this is just an excuse to do yeah. directs, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like only boy is like Microsoft who's yeah. like full on bandwagon. What do you, what do you do as the head of a conference? when people decide your conference isn't important. Yeah. It's interesting because you go check out episode 93 of Input, a video game news show, and Rash Patch's podcast last week where we talked about this kind of thing in a lot of ways. Shameless plug. But even but even a few months, like more than a few months ago, we had like day and date recorded and when Sony and were going to be in Ether, we did like a kind of an emergency pod about that. And it it's interesting because... Especially last week in particular, where there was a big, big, like huge piece, like ten thousand word piece, about like the ESA. Um, it's really amazingly well researched and documented and stuff. Um, and just like E three counts for like fifty percent of the revenue, so it's it is like entirely dependent on E three basically. Yeah. Um, even if it's supposed to be kind of the big lobbying force for video games, even though it's not necessarily reflective of that. Um, well, that's their flag. I mean, essentially, if you're looking yeah, at it from business, that's their flagship. Product. Yeah, and so it's interesting where because I've always been the person that I think E three. I like E3. I mean, if some people don't, I like E3. I think it's important. I think the industry should have something like this where you can celebrate games and be excited about games and just kind of showcase and all kind of come together um, in a way that GDC does, but I think is much more kind of technical, analytical, just by its nature. Yeah. Um, this is just a moment to be excited about games. And I think, I don't know, like for years I said that I don't think E3 is ever going to go away or if it will, it'll be like, it'll take a decade for it to happen. It'll be like a long period of time. And now I think with Sony leaving, Nintendo not having done it like properly for like years now. Right. Um, it's an interesting one, right? Like Microsoft is still there, Ubisoft is still there, EA is sort of there. Like they do their thing outside of E3's confines technically, but like it's the same weekend, so it's just part of E3 still. And so I don't know. I think the decision to open it up to the public, I think ultimately. Maybe it wasn't the right call, but it's a call to get them money, which they're going to need. Um, E3 is incredibly expensive. Um, right. And they get lots of money back, obviously. They make a profit on this, obviously, but it is still expensive. And I think it'll be interesting to see for me what next year's E3 looks like, right? right. W- will Microsoft be at that E3? Um, is Sony going to... That's the thing for me. Like, will Sony be at next year's E3? Are they taking a one-year gap off? Or are they just done with E3 and just going to do their own things from now on permanently? From what I read, it sounded like Sony was just taking this year off yeah. because they were going to focus on their console. And it's very, very kind of... It was very almost deliberately kind of vague and unclear, partially because, like, I'm not sure they know entirely what they want to do for next year's E3. I think it's very much still a work in progress and figuring it out. But if it's, like, a permanent decision of them not being there... I think... Then what's the point? It, it's going to be weird, like, because E3 could just turn into, like, the American Gamescom, right? That, like, is in Germany every year and, like, oh. European thing. And it could be that. Um, and that'd be fine. But, like, the difference being that, like, we have PAXs that I think are these kind of more fan-centered shows that media obviously go to, too, and cover, too. Um, check out Rash content. But you can... It's very different than an E3, which is, like, a... It is a press show that up until a few years ago was just that, basically. And, like, people could go, but it wasn't the same way. Um, And so, I don't know. Like, it could be this hybrid thing. It could be Gamescom. It could... 
like realistically not exist in a few years or be very markedly different um i don't know it's, it's, it's a weird time it's so much is in flux and it's also coming to like the end of one console generation and the beginning of another one so it's like even more of like a like messy fluid situation like a maturation period for like yeah. the game industry yeah it definitely is right and i feel like it's been one with so many different things whether it's this whether it's in terms of like unionization within the industry for various different groups of people whether it's in terms of kind of workplace culture within various different dev communities whether it's in terms of just kind of seeding out the kind of toxic culture that is endemic to certain parts of the games community um, and figuring out how to deal with that. And it's, it's a, people have, me and you, I mean, we're, we're the perfect examples of this. We've grown up with these things now, right? And so we're at a point now right. in our lives where it's like, all right, like the dumb jokes that were made in junior high and high school don't appeal to us anymore. Those don't fly anymore. And we don't, that doesn't fly anymore, right? And like, we have to make sure that like, these aren't lasting things in the industry that they, they that we can kind of push these away and be like, this isn't, what we want the industry to kind of be representative of and emblematic of. Um, and it's, so, uh, it's so what you're saying is like, as society has grown and yeah. like the gaming industry was such a part of that, that absolutely. And it, it's, it's more for me where it's like, I mean, there are studies all the time and like research all the time where it's like the average gamer te- technically isn't even like us. They're older than us. Right. And if, and if you read the stats accurately, they're more female than us, right? Like the average gamer yeah. is like a, like 30 something, either male or female and increasingly an older one like an upper 30s person they've grown up with this for a long time right like the nes was 1980s right um and so like we've had people who have been around longer than us even and so this stuff like we're people who are at the point now we're like older than us potentially just because i don't want to be in that thought process yet but like could be having kids right and like they don't want their kids to grow up in this kind of environment this kind of community um and i think that Games have always had a weird thing where I think they're not taken seriously in the same way as movies or TV shows or novels or plays. Um, but I think they should be. Like I think they're just as legitimate form of storytelling and art as everything else. The problem being, I think, isn't necessarily the games themselves. I think it's kind of the community and culture and critics and players of games, I think, either don't respect them the same way or can't accurately vocalize that and how they feel about them and then also it's the fact that like the community around games is in a lot of ways shitty right like we each i think can see that like yeah. we've each played online games we've each played like a call of duty or halo or whatever in a past it's like yeah like it's not the best example of like what games are because it's not a true example right like there are a lot of people who like immediately might like mute stuff when they get on like any sort of online platform and it's like no you just you you avoid game chat yeah just, right you just really you you like yeah exactly or you do one or the other but you never just have live chat on it's just a mess you know but, it, but it's funny that it's funny that you say that um you know we as the core demographic of gamers has matured because we have mm-hmm. and that the gaming industry as a whole is maturing as well yeah. because i think any and this is completely anecdotal, right? I don't have data on this. Sure. But the the people who are the reason why you mute game chat yeah. and the reason you're you don't want to participate is because of the ten year olds yeah. screaming the N word. Yeah. And like that's like the polar opposite of the maturation. Yeah. So a, a large part of that is the older demographic that grew up yeah. you know, the people born in the eighties that are now having to kinda educate Yeah. Like newer gamers like, Hey, this doesn't fly this isn't okay. And I, but I think it's 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 a sins of the father situation where it's like sure. we 
we in a lot of ways like maybe like me and you and our group is a little bit different because we had had kind of older brothers people who had come before us in some way but like we grew up in that culture where like it was just like at the very least in like i feel like junior high and high school time period for when we were only a year apart for both of us it was very much just like yeah like this stuff was it was just everywhere like quality was just like wild and messy and it's just like you just had to be like this is i guess this is what games are and it's like well maybe that answer isn't acceptable like this is just what games are isn't a good answer in 2019 anymore it's like maybe it should be more than this maybe we should have some sort of higher standard for games and it's like i think that the 10 year olds and the 8 year olds and the 15 year olds say it and do these things now because we were doing them or similar like not as bad things but like similar things when we were younger and then people who were older than us were doing similar things before that right like you could say dumb shit with your friends on a couch in the 90s and it'd be kept there and nobody would know about it right and then, and then you went Twitter. online and it became this whole new world you could say anything and they couldn't stop you because you're not on the couch anymore you're just a guy in a mic and we we as a i think entire culture maybe a little bit like screwed up what the internet could have been and should have been um and just kind of did it but like there are definitely good aspects of the internet and there are bad aspects like there are with anything but like there's so much potential here to, i think to kind of have a higher standard of quality in terms of the online gaming community um and in some ways i think we're getting closer to it in some ways i think we're falling victim to our our lesser selves and falling victim to just kind of silent ourselves off to people who just like are like us which in itself isn't bad if those people are like wild 10 year olds just screaming inward like you said but i think the collective bar should be higher i guess i would say when i keep seeing this thing that i completely agree with like thank god we didn't have the internet absolutely when we were kids because absolutely. i mean how many cringy <coughs> thoughts how many shitty jokes did you make and yep and it's not permanently there yeah. that's i always say that like me and you like our age group our generation is like kind of had the best of both worlds right where we grew up in a world pre like pre-internet and pre like cell phones and like we grew up in like you could just be gone like be like all right mom we're going outside and you could just be, she would have technically right. no idea where you went right no phone she would no just credit trust cards. you'd come back right and like you just come back in one piece you just kind had, of thing. like the lint in your pocket the beyblade exactly Ex oh right? hell yeah that beyblade you're, that, you're rocking that beyblade right you know, like the digimon cards somewhere. yeah exactly yeah and, and that was it that was it and we grew up in that world and we still did stuff like outside all the time and like breathed like fresh air and nature and like soaked it up and like loved doing that and also could come back inside and play video games but we also were young enough to fully understand and grasp the internet immediately, right? Internet culture, like, we're totally on top of it, right? Like, like kind of our younger generation behind us is. Mm -hmm. And so, like the older group, we understand a pre-gaming or, like, pre-internet cell phone era and also now, like, this post one. And so we can have the best of both worlds. And also, we were old enough to, like you said, absolutely avoid doing all our dumb shit online, right? Like, for me, it's... That antidote is super poignant where it's like i think like i think of like greg miller who who got me into the industry who got like basically using like ip is a thing and all this like most of us into the kind of game journalism side of things and he he always like because he's 34 34 35 our listeners are gonna hate that pen by the end of the episode yeah. <laughs> and he talks about how like cause he did backyard wrestling with his buddies back when he was growing up in like mid late 90s kind of thing 
Um, and he talked about how like they would just like have like terrible gimmicks. Like one of the gimmicks is just like a dude like having sex with every other like wrestler's like wife or girlfriend kind of thing. And it's like a dumb like jokey fun Amazing. thing. But it's like imagine if like they'd actually put these on YouTube, right? Because they were just saying real people's names. Like they were naming like the actual girlfriends, and it's like you can't like yeah, because like a story and unvulture. Yeah, and like that's the thing. Like you don't even like, and like to be fair, it's that thing. It's a true now as it is then like you don't think about these things because you're a dumb kid right like you just think you know everything and think it'll be fine but like you don't yeah. think it through your decisions and our advantage was that like hey youtube was like two years old when i entered my senior year of high school and so like none of us like knew what to, and like it was you would have been dude do you remember old. yeah proto youtube proto youtube was the shit like i remember proto youtube but i also remember like pre-youtube internet videos too like that's the thing yeah. like i remember like YouTube videos before there was a YouTube like kind of jib thing, jab. right? Like Jib Jab and like the, how oh, was like the, like ultimate fight, like the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny kind of thing. Oh like my these guys, like these old school, which is like one of the very first videos I ever remember watching the internet was that and being like, and like to this day, I still know like every single word of that song because me and one of my childhood yes. best friends well, cause you watched watch it a million it, times. Like, exactly, a million times just on repeat again and again. And be like we're blown away by like the quality, the graphics, and everything. <laughs> the it's quality. amazing. Like, yeah. how did, like how does it make this? Like, how is it took them hours. Yeah, exactly. Hours. And it probably did back then. That's the thing. It probably took them yeah. days back in like 2005, right? Like that's a crazy thing. And like Jib Jab, like oh my God, like this is insane. Like everyone tried to like put their faces on the thing after like they oh did that God. feature to it. And it's like, can I, uh, can, it's just a quick tangent. So I love watching like creepy, like, like ghost videos. Like, okay. On YouTube. Yeah. That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> and there were never better, scarier videos mm -hmm. than like proto YouTube because no yeah. one had a good camera. Yeah. It was just like your flip phone camera. Yep. And the, blurriness the yep. pixelated nature of it yep would just like make it so much scarier like what was that thing that well, just ran across the, that's oh my the God. thing too is that because it was so low quality it's very much blur which was like you also couldn't yeah. tell if it was like a real thing or not either because it's like it's so low quality dingy it's like this seemed like it could actually just be a dude with a phone who discovered this thing like in real life right like it's impossible right. to like blur which obviously became like a phenomenon because like people thought it was real like they thought it could be a real thing For and sure. it's like that reminds me of like me and a buddy of mine um in like high school somewhere in that like in the we were in the back seat of my mom's car waiting for her to get to the car and it's like a dumb joke we just had like acting like they were like zombies outside the car and, like we're recording on his like flip phone kind of thing and that they were like attacking us basically and like that one dumb one-off you like cell phone video not even youtube video cell phone video while we waited for like five minutes for her to get to the car, led to us doing like a 30 part saga on Amazing. cell phone videos. And like all of it's gone now. We don't have any of these videos anymore because they were all on cell phone videos of like ever increasing, like wild, um, like more sci-fi fantasy element stories. And it's like, this is just like, there's so many videos and so many stories that are just like lost forever. And it's just absolutely, like yeah they're we, all on microchips yeah on like a cell we phone that you're never gonna find exactly like we we had the best birth worlds and we definitely were lucky that what we did when we were younger in like junior high high school isn't recorded anywhere um like we're not quite the, like the generation where it's like everything from like birth to the start is just like recorded constantly mm -hmm. um and so we're kind of lucky in that regard but it is a weird thing and i think that goes back into just the thing of like I don't even know. Like, it seems it seems weird to step on a soapbox and be like, as a 27-year-old man... I've got this shit figured out. Yeah, when it's very much clear that we don't. But it's like, 
it just seems like the golf between 27 and 18, those use like the pace of technology was so rapid. What, and so what, much was transformed. Like there's like what's seven, the, eight years. What's the cutoff? That is it eighteen or is it fifteen year olds that so, have always had an iPhone? Like okay, have always had an uh, iPhone released, like oh, not in their hand. But. Uh, the first iPhone was in two thousand and seven. So that's twelve years. That's twelve. Okay, so like twelve year olds. Yeah, iPod was before that. Oh sure. Um, and so even longer, right? And so like the thing for me is they that, don't like, have mixtapes. They don't have CDs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that, a thing. That's the thing. Like I still have CDs in my car right now, right? And it's like. The next car I own, like, I don't know how long CD players will be in cars. Like, I don't know how long that'll be a thing. Right. I don't um, think they are. I think maybe Some Ford new cars, I'm sure, don't have them anywhere, I'm still sure. Still do. But Ford and GE. Like, yeah, and it's that, it's that thing of, like, mind. the, like, obviously, as a proud millennial, as I think we should all be, because um, we've had to suffer so much, <laughs> you own that. Um, it's weird to then look through, like, this, like, Gen Z, whatever it's going to be called, like, iPhone generation um, who kind of started in like 2000 which is kind of their, their informal start date for that generation and like the wor- like that's the thing like it still like breaks my brain that there are people in college now who were born in this millennium right like who like and it's just like that's that they, can't be true because like it's that was just like a few years ago and it's like that was 19 years ago like 2000 was 19 years ago now and it's they've like they've always had a weird, Wikipedia yeah, that, they've that's always had that. the bigger one too where it's like they've always had wikipedia right and like because you meet each one to school and like junior high school it's like wikipedia doesn't count as a real source yeah and yeah. nowadays teachers just like all right it can be one of your sources like it's like it's just like everybody's gonna go to wikipedia fine cite it and like let's just go on like i think there was a fact that like our teachers just didn't understand exactly this like thing. They and could, now they, they kids these days now have teachers that Get yeah technology. Like people our age have entered the like workforce. People do you remember 30s. computer class? Yes, and like yes, learning, I like do. Your, your teacher having yes, to flip I do. through like a little like yep. pamphlet and like okay, yep. so you're gonna right click and then you're gonna copy. Yep. I remember. I think it was either first or I might have been second grade. We got it at the elementary school I went to in Nixon, Missouri, which at the time had a population of probably like twelve thousand people. I thought you were gonna say twelve. No, no, yes, yeah, twelve people. Uh, like 12,000 people, roughly. And, yeah, like, computer class, right? And, like, it was just, like, playing Oregon Trail and playing these games and, like, doing all this stuff. And, like, those, like... Unlike those Macintoshes? Yes, those, those absolutely, gray Macintoshes. those Macintoshes. Yeah. Gray Macintoshes, like, the, like, rainbow-colored, like, symbol on it. Yeah, that, like, absolutely. actually had only, like, one button on the mouse. Yep. And you had to, yep. if you wanted to right-click, you had to, like, press a button on the keyboard. And, and it's, like, those... Like, obviously, kids nowadays don't have those same memories because, like, again, technology moves so quickly. But, like, are computer classes even a thing? That, and if they are a thing that people have still, it's like... It's like an easy A. Yeah, it's like, here's how we're going to, like, hack into the... Go- it's like, they're, like, way more informed classes, but they're way, like, actually better <laughs> classes, right? Like, here's how we're going to hack into the FBI, the kids. I remember that you might have had to do, too, is that, like, in college, we had to do, like, some sort of, like, computer class thing, too. That they had, like, a name for it. I can't remember. But it's, like, a, basically, like, a computer equivalent class to get, like, bachelor's degree. Um, and it was like computer science and like that, whatever. Weird. And it, it was a super easy. Like you just did it and did an A. But like in college, like there are like older people there. And those are the ones who like were f- discovering like Microsoft Word and Excel and like all these docs and things for the first time in like 2013, right? And it's yeah. like, that's, it's so weird to me that like they didn't know how to like what a Microsoft doc was before then. And it's like, we grew up with these things again like best of both worlds it's like it was just like secondhand nature but it's like there are people who didn't and it's it's weird and like i feel like it's less so now but like it is like generations are so weird to begin with but like ours is like the millennials is a weird generation in so many ways um 
and like i've read a few things where it's like about like generational like theories and stuff like mm-hmm. that um because i actually find the idea of generations like really fascinating in a lot of ways i find it fascinating that you know we are teaching our bosses how to export something to a pdf yeah right, right? and it's but like they make more money than us i love that meme. and like, it's like my favorite and like generational like at least one theory of generational cycles is that like there are cycles and that there are like four different kinds where it's like hero fuck up basically oh, like artist see. and then like something else kind of thing like it's like a fourth like cycle thing and then you cycle back around to the next one right it's basically yeah. like you like suffer you build something great you like start to kind of like let it go and then you kind of just like start to process well, again well, yeah one generation has to go through something hard and yeah. they try to set it up for the next one yeah, yeah, yeah. the next one still has some memories of what was yes. before but then the one after it has and no recollection whatsoever. Yes. They just fuck everything up. And the the last hero generation was the greatest generation, World War II, which is pretty fitting. I mean, sure. Um, yeah, and based of like the generational cycle thing on that, the next hero generation is our generation, the millennial generation, is like the current hero generation cycle. Oh well, yeah. Because we've dealt with and when it picks both because like that's just how it goes. Like they're four and we're, it's our turn again. But also like look, what we've had to deal with right. We're like the Great Recession, like financial crisis, like. Like having to get jobs during the Great Recession. Yeah, and like growing up with that again, like Great Recession, Great Depression. We've grown up in these very similar kind of like economic financial system like shocks that like have changed how mm-hmm. each generation views the like, economy and financial things and like systems and like institutions. And more importantly, each generation grew up and came of age as kind of democracy and liberalism were like under threat, right? Where it's there, obviously, it's very much fascism and literal like threat. But always, it's kind of like the wave like global populism and the wave of like things kind of taking charge against like liberal institutions whether it's like the president of America like attacking like the UN and our closest allies and all that stuff or whether or not it's like mm. anything you see in the world and like kind of democracies on the backside across the board and it's like the hero generation the generation that's kind of like it you have to suffer basically you have to suffer you have to grow up in these circumstances that are challenging that like tear down the old system in some ways then you build one that's, that builds off and improves off the last one um, but the thing about the hero generation is that that's if you get it right right because if you go back like a generation before like the previous like hero generation before sorry uh the greatest generation it was one that like didn't do it right like it kind of screwed up a little bit which is like mid 18th century or right? there was like a wave of like democracy movements and a lot of them got squashed they all got stopped in their tracks in a lot of ways uh, oh yeah and so like mid 1840s like germany for example and like france and so you have to kind of it's a thing like you have these moments and if you screwed up well you know wait four generations basically for your next bad at it um, but no matter what, the hero generation is the one that like kind of defines the rest of that cycle because they're the ones who like build the thing that everybody else kind of falls off until like, it's like the next cycle again. And so our generation, in one way or another, is going to be like an incredibly important for a lot of reasons. Even if you don't believe in like generational like cycle theory, it's going to be an incredibly important generation, right? Because we've had to deal with the ramifications of the baby boomers. I love you guys. You're, you're our parents. But, like, you made some decisions that were really great. Shout out to those. And you also made some decisions that are really biting us in the ass a little bit here. There's an island of plastic in the ocean. Yeah, right. And so you didn't believe in some things you maybe should have. Um, and also the baby generation, the baby generation, that's what we should call them too. The, the baby babies. boomers um, is a atypical generation in a lot of ways. But one way is that they are, they are defying 
um, generational handoff standards. So like ultimately, like generations hand off to the next generation at a certain point in time, typically. But they're just living too goddamn long. It's both that and then also like the ones that like, even if they're not living too long, they're just refusing to leave as CEOs of companies or in political positions or anything he's fine. Like in business, finance, government, they're not leaving. Like well, why not, would they? Or why even, would like, they? Because, I mean, they worked so hard to get into this position that was given to them by their dad. Exactly. Like, even journalism, right? Like, in, no matter what the industry is, like, they're not leaving, like, when people typically leave. Like, because, like, the greatest generation um, was a generation, I think, in a lot of ways, very much like millennials, driven by kind of, like, a sense of, like, service and community and, like, like very genuinely wanting to, like, do good in the world, mainly because they were forced to, and we're kind of forced to, we have to, like, kind of fix the world in a lot of ways. Right. And so that it kind of informs your values the baby boomer generation was one that didn't have that same the world was saved Congrat- our dad did it guys lit let's have a party kind of thing and let's just do whatever we want to do and like they were very much were like we're not going to be our parents generation and for better or worse in some ways better in some ways worse they weren't the issue also becomes though, like if you don't head off at a certain point in time it screws up the generational cycle in some ways and so like the generation that gets screwed isn't us i mean it is for lots of reasons but in this regard it's not it's Gen X, the in-between oh, generation, yeah. right? There's a generation no between, exactly, no, because no they're getting screwed that. over because, like, the baby members are holding on to power in all these different industries for too long that, like, Gen X is getting squeezed out more and more and more and more and more. And they're supposed to be the middle class. And what you're and they're supposed to be, like, the, they should be in power right now, but they're right. not. Who's our president? A very old baby boomer, right? Like, it's that thing of, like, and no matter how you look at it, like, the members of Congress, predominantly baby boomers, business CEOs, predominantly baby boomers. Like, it should be... The next people are, should be like filling into power more and more and more and more, but they're not. They're getting squeezed out. And what's happening is that like our generation is not in the point where it's our turn to start getting into like the business communities and our turn to start getting into like journalism communities and political communities. It's our turn now. We're getting old enough. And so we're saying, cool, it's our turn. And we get hella screwed anyway. So we're feisty and we want it now. <laughs> we want to fix the shit that you did wrong, right? We want two-day Amazon shipping. Exactly. And what we're not going to do is wait for two generations to get out of the way now. So what we're saying is we're going now. And the baby boomers are saying we're still here. And Gen X is just kind of middle being like, well, we never even got our turn. And we're just kind of like, that sucks to be you. But like the world's on fire anyway. We got to keep going. And so like it's a weird thing where like the baby boomers hold on for too long. Like, 15 years too long by like most things like cycle things means that like gen xers is kind of like they should be like mid-generational power cycle and they're like just gonna end now and it's like nah because we're just gonna end now too guys and this is awkward but like we're here and there are way more of us we're the biggest generation in the history of the country we're gonna we're gonna just overpower you right like sucks to be gen x because you guys are like one of the smaller generations by like counter example so it's like how does this translate into like other countries? Like this is very like America centered. I feel so like so generational- most of these generational cycles are Western focused. So like I would say European and British and Canadian um, like focused mm-hmm. um, Western kind of European democracy industrial states. Um, it's interesting when you get to um, like I'm gonna focus on China for example because I'm somewhat familiar with this. Like China has generational things too, but China's are way more. As you, I mean, as you might imagine, like way more, they have their shit together, kind of thing. Where they are like, it's been twenty years, get the hell out. It's our turn. Like they just like they're very yeah. much like all like clockwork. It's like all right, you had your time, and it's like our turn now, right? And like China, like it's changed a little bit now because like Xi Jinping is like sort of becoming like a paramount leader, dictator guy again. And China's and he's kind of disrupting the cycle, which is going to make people angry in a few years when it's like, hey, it's been twenty years, it's our turn now. But 
and like for example in like the communist party like hierarchy like leadership of china government they did a thing after mao was basically like the king of the world for forever in china mm-hmm. they were like hey that didn't work great um a lot of people are dead and nobody's got food and we're gonna try and maybe do something differently and what they did are things called basically like tenure cycles where like the entire like slate of government officials are all the same generation make it to control the country for 10 years and after like i think after like five years they have like elections it's really cute yeah um <laughs> and basically what those elections do though is that like they get like half of like the kind of leadership class kind of retires because they were like the one from the 10 years before basically and then they bring in the next generation to kind of fill like the lesser positions and so that in five years the leadership will retire and they will become the new guys you bring in like a younger generation so like they're always like prime in the successors it's not like a messy succession ever again because it was messy when Mao died they have it very organized now because they want it to work effectively and because what's happened they've built the second biggest economy in the entire world and while they have lots of problems they don't care about that they care about building the second biggest economy in the world and they've crushed that goal right and so it's like they theirs are much more um organized and then like I would say Asian and like African and even like Latin American to degree or the Latin American, like South American generational sect in particular are incredibly messy just due, I think, to the like very volatile nature of, of South American in particular, like countries and like governments um, historically, like most are like have been fully functioned democracies only since like the late to like mid 80s, like 90s. Yeah. Um, so they haven't had time to kind of develop multiple generational cycles yet. Um, but like US and Canada and like European ones, it's interesting. Yeah, like we were, we're here, what, yesterday was the 75th anniversary of D Day. Um, so it's been 75 years since D Day, right? Like that is one of the most momentous days in history, right? And now we kind of come of age here as 27, 28 year olds, and it's like, all right, cool. We're the next hero cycle. We're the next hero generation. How are we going to handle that? And I, I like, this is always why I say, like, I'm an optimist. Hi, my name's Logan. I am one of the biggest optimists you ever meet, biggest like kind of idealists you ever meet. And it's because ultimately I believe in people, right? I believe in the better angels of human nature, right? Like to quote that amazing Lincoln line. And I think for me, part of the thing is that like, great, I totally think that in like 20 years, it'll be good. Like we have like, we'll have tackled really impressive problems because I think our generation will demand it, demand that we do these problems or demand that we solve these things. My concern is not that. My concern is not really the future. My concern is right now. Because right now, it's just messy. And right now, I have less faith in baby boomers because their record has been very spotty. And in particular, the record lost like 20 years has been very spotty. Gen X, I have more faith in, I guess, but also like they're just going to run out of clock. They're just going to run out of time. Um, because, gen- because millennials are very much like we and the like gen z generation are like we are not being heard our concerns are not being heard the world is on fire kind of literally um and we're not gonna do it right like we're not gonna stand for that we're not gonna stand for like all these school shootings and gun issues and all these things like and like lgbtq issues like we're gonna be here and say like this is how it's going to go like this is just a like it's decided like a lot like if you look at like younger generational like issues like whether it's like anything basically across the board it's already been decided, right? Like, that's why, like, for, like, for years, I always said, and I still say, because I don't ultimately don't care, where it's, like, if we can argue about whether or not you should be able to smoke 
pot in your basement and eat Cheetos lit because what that means is that every other important issue has been solved because that issue is already solved for our generation. It's done. That's going, it's just like, it's going to happen, right? We're in the same way where it's like gay marriage legalization happened quicker than I thought it did or thought it would, but like it was one for me where it's like that, that die has been cashed, right? Like even among like Republicans under the age of 35, it's overwhelmingly popular. Like it's just going to have happened and then it happened way quicker. And like so many issues, whether it's social, cultural, financial, like foreign affair issues, our generation and the generation behind us have decided like it's we've made up our minds on this it's not going to change it's just like we have to get into control of anything right and like aoc like alexandria ocasio cortez is like a whatever like you can call her socialist whatever you want that's fine but like her views are not outside the norm of the millennial generation in fact her views on almost everything are the norm like she's not an extremist to our generation she is what we think she is the norm and this isn't a thing of like she's the norm if you're a democrat or a socialist among millennials she's the norm if you're a millennial like you look at like the average millennial person and like their views on things she is in line with them because she is your age or she's like you're older than you like she is our views and even like republican millennials are in a lot of ways like yeah this is this makes sense like shit's not working right i don't have a job Logan, the question was, what game are you excited for in eat? Yeah, that right, yeah, like, how we derailed that, right? Like, you said one tangent, like, boom, we're going to go, baby. But, like, no. Um, but, yeah, like, this is the thing. Like, it's a conversational podcast, right? Like, I, I grew up and was informed and influenced by conversational podcasts. I host conversational podcasts. Um, input actually is way more strict than this because George wouldn't allow it if it wasn't. But... No, that's my thoughts on generational cycles. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, thank you for coming. Uh, you didn't actually ask what game I'm most excited for no, at E3, true, so true. I'll allow that. Um, the game I'm most excited for at E3, hard segue cut, um, is... I don't even know, actually. That's a really good question. Um, can, I, can I say mine? Yeah, say yours. Uh, let me think. It's Animal Crossing. Is it really? I just want... Is it really? I just want to dig for fossils. Give me the give me like, this, on, on this. my couch. Yeah. Sell me so, on Animal Crossing. Do you want me to summarize Animal Crossing? Sell me on Animal Crossing. Why should oh, I play Animal Crossing? Animal yeah, why should I play Animal Crossing? Um, okay, so uh, life is life is difficult. Your work life is hard. Yeah. You work hard. I work hard. And so sometimes when you get home, you don't want to just, uh, you know, sometimes it feels good to slash things up, but sometimes that can feel stressful too. So sometimes, mm-hmm. you know what you want to do, Logan? You want to go farm? Yeah, you just want to go dig up fossils. And you want to go catch bugs, and you want to go fish in lakes, and that's what I want to do. And I want to do it on my Switch, and I want to do it, yeah, you know, plugging it into my, like, t- Jazz got a Switch? I said shout out to the Switch. Oh, shout out to the Switch. No, Jazz Dude. Not a Switch. Dude, if they uh, release a Switch Mini. Ooh, maybe that. If they release a Switch Mini, then I'm going to lose my mind. All over it. Yeah. The thing about a Switch Mini is, you should win T where it's like, I need to know more about it, obviously, but like, that idea sounds super enticing, right? And like, I'm like, I like Switch a lot. I'm not, like, as, like, wildly, like, ravenous about it as other people are. I like it a lot. But Switch Mini would just be, like, it would just be lit. Like, it would be super cool. Like, I'd be all over that. Yeah, I think the DS is, like, the perfect size. Okay. Right? Yeah, interesting. Like, the th- you know, like, the 3DS? You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, I'm looking at it right now. I'm, like, basically what I would do for Switch Mini, like, size-wise, is just, like, get rid of the two nunchucks. Like, just, like, the screen right. itself, like, that size is, like, right. perfect for me. That's, like, a perfect size for, like, what I want Switch Mini to be. Yeah. The rumor is that it, it would be... Um, that size total. Yeah, but the nunchuck it would just be smaller, and you couldn't remove the, the, nunchucks. the nunchucks. It would just yeah. be part of it. But then my thing is, well, I want to 
foldable screen then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then, but then it just becomes well, that's just another DS. They're not gonna. Yeah, they're not gonna do that. I don't think, because that would just be another DS. It'd be super interesting. Because um, sorry, go ahead. Well, a lot of the rumors too are like you can't do like it won't let you do like home mode kind of thing. If you have like the like the Switch Mini, it'll just yeah. be like handheld only. Whatever. Um, which I'm like less excited about, but like. Because I actually spend more time playing the Switch on my TV than I do in handheld mode, probably. Really? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think I'm backwards. I think so. You're the more common one, I think. Well, it's tough because I think so much of it depends on how much you travel. And I travel a lot, but like, or enough, but like, I just, I like my video game experiences on a screen, right? That's why, like, I've never been like a like, huge handheld guy. Because I like my games on a TV. I like, I, I like the cinematic experience. I like it just kind of like that. And so. Even with the Switch games, I'll play most of them on the TV. Like there are a few exceptions, like Rage and Peace last year was a big one where like I just played it in handheld mode because it felt more natural to that kind of size thing. Um, and like Old Man's Journey, but like for the most part, I want like I want them on a TV. I think. So. That's what I'm I think in my case, there, and the reason why I like the Switch so much is because now there's no more like my wife wants to watch something on TV. Yeah, sure. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I can still play my AAA game. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Animal Crossing's it for me. That's interesting. Did you, did you find? Did you find? Your so I, I don't even like. It's it's a weird one where it's like I'm taking your question and kind of breaking it a little bit. Okay. But to my own concerns, I'm okay. saying the game I'm most excited about this year because okay. like, we'll probably see it at E3 in some capacity. Um, but since I can't say for sure we will. I'm just gonna say this year, which is Dying Light Two. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know why I thought you were going to say Death Stranding. Death Stranding, we can do a whole podcast on. That's true. Um, it's a weird... It's going to be... That's going to be a video game. There's a great Kojima <laughs> quote that you have to, like, remind me to show you after we get done recording, or just at some point in time, that's actually, like... That's actually a really poignant, beautiful quote there, Kojima, about what the game is. Oh, about, like, connecting and... Connecting and, and strands and your time yeah. all together. It's like, that's really actually... Okay, yeah, I'm, that's beautiful. is like, a mad genius. Yeah, that is the best way to describe Kojima, just a mad genius, I mean, right? he truly is. And, but for me, it's Death... Dying Light 2 because I so we obviously didn't know each other when the first Dying Light came out um, which has been 2015 um, and 2015 Game of the Year was one of the closest Game of the Year votes um, for me in terms of like picking what my Game of the Year was like in fact it is the closest vote ever um, what were some of the contenders I can't remember it was a great year for video games it was Dying Light it was Rocket League it was Until Dawn it was Life is Strange it was like a great year it was lots of other things happened to but those are like the big four for me um, and I loved all those games very much. I love all those games. Like, I still do. I love all those games. Um, and so, but the ultimate toss-up was, do I give it to Dying Light or do I give it to Rocket League? And I gave my game of the year vote to Dying Light, even though Rocket League is the game I've played more than any of this generation by, like, a Mississippi mile. Um, but That's Dying, a long mile. Yeah, thank you. Right, the Midwestern mm. colloquialism. Um, Dying Light's rad, right? Like, it's, the parkour system in Dying Light is brilliantly realized right like i think one of the issues for me with the dlc is that like they kind of largely did away with that by doing like a vehicle based stuff um it diminished the parkour mm. um and making the world too spread out and like kind of land based and not as many like buildings but like the original game is fantastic it is frenzied it is frantic it is kinetic you're constantly moving and jumping and climbing um the night mode where like the just superly overly like game breakingly deliberately overpowered zombies come out and like just like clean your clock and say so, like you avoid nighttime at all costs um was terrifying and horrifying and brilliant and awesome it's a great feature the game itself was like a really actually 
surprisingly clever and cool and I think different zombie story um, that knew what you knew were the kind of cliched moments and like stereotypes and kind of things that zombie games and zombie stories in general always kind of lean on and then kind of flipped those on their heads because they knew you were expecting something else and then did something really cool with that instead. Um, its story was like really serious and really kind of sad and messed up and goofed up. It's just like a lot like a Caribbean Latin American country that's just like abandoned basically. Um, and like what happens is like kind of a like de facto UN organization like sins and supplies and like what like the kind of frenzy around those and like kind of how the country falls and like gangs. Like it's great and it's like it's super beautiful and like the last area to get get to like the old town and it's like very much like pre-colonial architecture and like colonial architecture in the city and it's like beautiful and like stunning like like super high monastery like cathedral towers like overlooking the entire city and the story gets like really intense and like beautiful and dark and like the game's really rad its story knows what you want and gives it to you but also like i think subverts the established kind of genre cliches really well too and then also like it is just an absolute blast like it is one of the most fun video games you will ever play like it's so much fun and diamond 2 looks like it's all of these things and then add on top of that it's the fact that like you can kind of build your own game um in some ways right where it's like your actions will have like their trailer last year was super cool where it's like your actions in game will have like demonstrative effects on the world itself right like there was one example where they said where like because like you get missions like you do in every other like open world game um, but here, like, n- not all of them are for forever. Like, they're, like, time-sensitive ones. We have to, like, pick, basically, one or the other. And if you pick one, like, you can pick one, and if you want to lose, like, we'll also determine what happens. Like, you can pick a mission, and if you lose, you might not get a second chance. And so, like, there was one where, like, they chose one mission, and they next, like, play through that didn't choose that mission. And what happens is that, like, it determines how much water your, like, area of the city gets. And if you don't succeed, or if you don't do it, it, like, shows how, like, neglected everything is and how like run down people are, like kind of angrier and like obviously like not starvation but like dehydrated and like demanding water and like things are way more chaotic and like stressed out and then like it shows you if you do do it to succeed and it's like lush green towers are like over like the buildings in your area and, like it's like what your actions do and what missions you choose to do or like who you choose to side because there are different like groups of communities too and like you can go through the game with one or the other or a different one or a third or a fourth one and like those are all change your game as well and change like the environment itself. Um, sounds super ambitious and super, super rad. Um, and I love Down Light. I don't know if people talk about it. Um, I feel like, um, and cause 2015 was a big year and then 2016 and 17 were like even bigger years. And so I'm very excited for Down Light 2. Um, I think it's gonna be a great game. Death Stranding is gonna be weird. I also, however, don't think it's gonna come out this year. I just don't think it's gonna hit that date. No, he always delays his game yeah which i mean he can and he should yeah and so yeah, that's, it always pays off there's a great miyamoto quote right where it's like a delayed game is delayed for like a month or two or whatever period of time it's like only delayed while it's delayed but like a bad game is bad forever right and so it's right. like but rather delay your game than have a bad game right like naughty dog talks all the time about how like the like one month delay they had from like may to june um, for the last was the difference between that being like a great video game and like the masterpiece that it is like just delays help your games that's the thing like as much as we like as gamers might want to get like furious and upset and, hey, I have to wait more time for this thing a delay has never made a game worse right like and if, if your game comes out and it's still bad it's not the delay's fault right like it's 
other things that happen. Like delays only help games that give you more time to make the game. Um, did, and I, so, did I mention in Animal Crossing you can also send letters to your neighbors? Is that I mentioned that? You didn't, but I actually don't know a lot about Animal Crossing. Um, even though I have a lot of friends inside, outside the gaming community who like are obsessed with it. Um, get on the bandwagon, man. I know, maybe, but... Shake some trees, get some fruit. Shake some trees. So Dying Light 2 is probably my pick for the game <laughs> I'm most excited for this year in general. Maybe E3. Because I don't think we're going to need a Splinter Cell game announced at E3. Yeah, but that's supposed to happen, right? I don't think it's going to happen. What? I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think you... I want it to happen. That's the difference, though. Yeah, that's the difference. That's the difference. I know, like, I one of my friends... Dude... Is a massive Splinter, can, Splinter can Cell I, shell. It's not going to happen. Can I riff on this? I mean... You. So, uh, I've been playing Ghost Recon. Uh, I saw it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. So, um, Ghost Recon has that one mission where you actually bump into Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell. Yeah, I heard this, yeah. So, so yeah. And it's uh, apparently it's a very difficult mission. I watched the Let's Play of mm-hmm. it. And just seeing Sam Fisher and seeing those three yeah. dots... Like, th- that was such... A, like, I think what Wildlands tries to do, what Ghost Recon tries to do, is what Splinter Cell did so well, which yeah. is it lets you play... Like, you can go guns blazing. It's not ideal. It's better to go stealth, but you can choose. Yeah. And it, it was... It, it turned an action game into a puzzle game. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved having to figure out, okay, I got to kill this guy, and I got to move this body yeah. so that nobody sees it, and it's in the dark, and I have to hide in this spot for, like, legit... like. Maybe a while I have to hide in this spot before I kill this person. Are you a big Hitman fan? I've been told that like Hitman is by, the thing that's going to scratch my itch. I think you'd be very much into Hitman. I guess yeah. I guess I played a Hitman game a few years ago and it was bad. It's Hitman Absolution. Uh, I don't Possibly. remember. There's a new one. They made the Hitman 2017, I think, and then I it was free for PS Plus, so I got it while it was free of Hitman 2. Um, and I've played the first, like, two out of, like, I think there are five levels of that or five areas of that. Um, it's incredible. Like, Hitman, Hitman, t- Hitman 2, and I liked Hitman Absolution a lot, too, but some people didn't. Um, I like Hitman games. Like, they're overwhelming to me. Like, I have to just be like, I can't, I have to, like, block out lots of them. Like, I'm just going to focus on, like, this one <laughs> avenue and do it. And, like, I can't, right. it's too much almost at times. But, like, it's really, really cool. And, like, Hitman 2 in particular is, like, really rad. And, like, they refined a lot of, I think, of that game to make it really neat. Um, but, like, a Hitman game, like, my favorite Hitman game is actually Hitman Go. It sounds like a uh, like a board game. It it it's because it it's, so that's actually that's because it basically sort of is um is it was a mobile game, and um, then eventually they put it on like like the PSN and stuff like that so you can play it. It's like now it might also be like five or ten bucks, um, even like a full price thing was only like twenty or thirty. Um, wow, back in the back in the days when games cost like thirty dollars. This is this game is only from like twenty fifteen or sixteen. Oh, I take it back. Um, and it's basically yeah, it's like a board it's like a board game layout, and you have to like move across the board to like take out enemies and like do stuff and like in a oh, certain amount of turns are possible. Um, like I'll show you images after this. Um, and it's a game I platinumed because I love I get, that game is like legitimately like brilliant and fantastic, and it's like Wait, you pla- I platinumed that game like yeah. you one hundred percent of it. Yeah, I got the platinum God. trophy. I did everything in it. Dude. Um, I love that game. And so for me, it's that thing of it is everything that's great about Hitman without any of the bullshit. Where like it just like trimmed out all the fat, trimmed out like the overwhelming aspect. And it's like just something to like this is simple. Like get from A to B, take out the enemies you need to take out, don't get caught, do it in as like few turns as possible. Like because like, it is a board game. Like you move like almost board game kind of mechanics thing. 
um, and it's rad. It's super cool. And they did one for uh, Hitman, Lara Croft, and uh, Deus Ex as well. Like all three of them got Go games, and they're great. Like they're all amazing. I played the Hitman one and obviously loved it. Um, I know somebody who like worked on those games. I guess as like a friend of the show thing, but like, um, like they're brilliant. They're amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, and I think in particular, like that's a Hitman game that you could probably get into that might then like spark you one to like play the actual like full-fledged hitman games because it's super cool and like you being a big board game guy i think you'd like dig like the aesthetic and like vibe of that too speaking of board games uh i wanted to talk to you about um listed it in the doc i wanted to talk to you about uh sea of thieves Uh, yeah so did you yes. see that they're making a role-playing game, Mongoose? I didn't see so, this. So, no. so Rare, the publisher of Sea mm-hmm. Thieves, partnering with Mongoose who do like role-playing games and board games. And so they are – it's in pre-order right now. Mm-hmm. So you, it's basically essentially like a D&D but for Sea of Thieves. Yeah, okay. And I'm really into that. Yeah. And I really want it. <laughs> but it's like 80 damn dollars. Yeah, that's all right. But – and you can pay for like the 40, you can pay like about 40 bucks for just the PDF. Okay. And print everything yourself. Yeah. But it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. Don't do the math. It's not the same. And so I've spent the whole week, like I have it pulled up at my work computer and my coworker sees it and he's like, are you still thinking about this game? And I'm like, yeah, I just know I'm never going to play it. Yeah. Because having to set up, a, it was hard enough setting up a D&D session at work. Yeah. Again, we've but talked, I want it, Logan. We've talked before about like a beer night kind of thing of like Sea of Thieves or like there are people who could like play that game with us, I think. Um, Appar- I Apparently they, they have this system and they call it the Avast system, Avast. which makes it, yeah, right. And I want to know more about it because what they say is that it makes it really easy to jump into the game. Like whereas mm. like D&D and Pathfinder have this sort of like... Everyone. Say what? I said it's overwhelming. Like, I haven't yeah, even played yeah. d but just looking at it, it's like, nah. It's just, it's too yeah, much. and even the character creation and, like, just knowing what to do, yep. it's um, it's it's a it's a bit of a roadblock, yep. right? Um, but apparently the this Avast system mm-hmm. makes it, like, remarkably easy to just, like, sit down and start playing immediately. Understand it. Even for the GM. Interesting. Like, like the first mission or, or journey or voyage mm-hmm. um, is a teaching voyage for both the DM and the and the players, so yeah, that everybody nice. knows what to do. So, but but before I drop forty or eighty dollars sure. on this thing, I want to know what does that mean. Sure. Like how and also, accessible? if you have a group for that too, right? Like it's right. also a thing. Yeah. Right. So. So that's what I've been struggling with personally. That's my darkness. Yeah. Is like. Oh, and then also Wormwood just came back with their dice towers. Do you know Wormwood? I don't know what that is. Oh my god! I'm not a big board game guy, dude. Okay. I know Candyland shoots some ladders Actually, really well. I'm going to break podcasting rules. And... Renee's running away. He's running to his, his bag. Pulled out. It looks like a like a little case, little flute-looking case, wood case. Yeah, I just got this. Wormwood. I'm going to open it up. I don't open know what it. it is. Open it. It's, like, little, like, it's got a beautiful encrusted like tree thing on here. Oh, my God. It's harder to open than I thought it would. It's rare earth magnets, baby. Ooh. It's got so it's got a bunch of dice and me fill the scene here. It's a dice so It's a dice bowl. And I got it from Wormwood. Wormwood. This is super nice. Dude, a I love 15 it. 15-sided die. It's all my D D dice. Little triangle dice. So here's the thing about Wormwoods. They make incredible like super nice. wooden things. We're not getting paid for this, by the way. This is <laughs> if just you like, want to sponsor us though. That's just, it's just an honest plug. Um 
Yeah, they make these beautiful things for gamers, tabletop gamers. This is really cool. They make this table that I want, but probably won't be able to afford or have for another three years. It's a table around really um, tabletop games. And so what it does is it's got like this crank on the side, mm-hmm. and the center of the table goes down. Okay. So that you can have a playing space, and there's like magnetic rails on the side, so you can put like cup holders and things. Oh, it's it's way cooler when you see the demonstration video. But basically, the the big selling point for me, yeah, is that when you're done playing your game, or like you have to pause or whatever, yeah, you can put the there's like five leaves on top, like for uh, table leaves, yeah. And then you have a eating surface, and they connect the same way with like magnets, oh. so then you don't have to put your game away, and you have to take pictures of everything to set it up again. Yeah, you just take off the leads. That's super interesting. That's, that's next level rad. shit, Logan. Yeah, that's super rad, actually. Anyway, so that's those are the things I'm nerding out about. I want a dice tower because I've wanted a wormwood dice tower for a while, but I don't nice. think my play group has the discipline to sure. use a dice tower. They just want to like throw their shit. Yeah, like barbarians. Yeah, which I get throw it but also i need y'all to be adults it's interesting because like obviously as somebody who's like this is very much more your forte than is mine and like board games in general right like that sounds cool this wood box <laughs> this wood box is super rad um Dude, it, it is like beautiful like it's thing like that is uh it's beautiful wood i'm gonna butcher the uh, pronunciation but it is uh paddock wood Ooh. p-a-d-a-u-k p-a-d-a-u-k i would say paddock paddock paddock, paddock. Paddock, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what the stress is, uh, but yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, it's very nice. I'm very I like happy it. with it. It's like a reddish brown. Um, yeah, I think that if Sea of Thieves was on a PlayStation console, I would play it with you. But it's really? Not. Yeah. I'd like to try it out. Dude, it's so much fun. And it's it's one of those things where it's like... So when, so after this update, a whole bunch of more people have started playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's like a whole new game. And, and I agree. I didn't have a problem with the game before, and the biggest complaint that I saw mm-hmm. was people saying, there's not enough to do. Yep, that's what I heard too. Yeah, and I guess I get that, but also I don't, because that kind of game, you you don't play that kind of game by yourself. Yeah, you build you, out your own like, story you, you almost. You text your buddies, hey, yeah. who's getting on? Yeah. And it's just a medium for hanging out with yeah. your friends. Just you get to be at home, yeah. drinking whatever you want. And it's it's structured playtime yep. essentially, right? Yep. Like, okay, here's a mission. Everybody vote on it. All right, now on a ship. Oh, I need to take care of the sails. You drive. Oh, okay, cool. Let's dick around and like play a little find buried treasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and yeah, find buried treasure. And like, that's the fun of it. Yep. You just it's just a proxy for hanging yep. out with your buddies. Yeah, I think a game like that a game like destiny in some ways like the division yeah. like these kind of games like foster just people being like let's just or even i mean to be to be fair like games like apex or fortnite 2 um are games that just kind of are built around like bringing people together to just play them and kind of goof off and dick around from for lack of a better term um and i think sea of thieves in particular appeals to me both because of like the aesthetic of it um, I think it's, I, I love the like visual style, like the art style of that. Dude, it's amazing. But also like, who doesn't want to be a pirate? And let's just like hang out with like a bunch of bros and be pirates together and like just go on goofy missions and like yeah. turn on crews and do, like just have a bunch of fun. And like, that and, sounds very, again, like if it, when I first saw the trailer at E3 years ago, I was like, if this is on PlayStation, I'll play it. And it wasn't. And it was like, all right, well. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck you, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> that makes that pretty, yeah, open and shut. And so. Dude, the art is the, like, I think part of the best thing of that game. It's beautiful it, art it, style. It's, it's very Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Yeah, but then they also it's it's weird because it's like so cartoony. Yep. 
for the pirates and the skeletons and all the treasure. But then they just went like, they just went whole ass into the water. Yep. The water is beautiful. Just Gorgeous. insane. And the reflections yep. and the sunlight dancing on the water. Yep. Water has it, always been a hard thing to develop yes. a program. Yeah. Because it's so like, I mean, no pun intended, so liquid. It's yeah. like liquid dynamics. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole server of it. I think for me too is, I could I, I I feel like I'm maybe not weird, but like I'm I'm really into like water and video games and like critiquing and being like this is like this is really good, this is really good water. This is good water. This is good ass water here. And like, <laughs> Sea of Thieves is impressive, yeah, because like it is just like the entire game is water based and that like you can't screw it up. You have to get that right. And I think they do. And I think it is that marriage of like the realism and beauty and kind of the majesty of the water and the oceans and the sunlight kind of beam down it and like dancing across the waves mixed the kind of the cartoony art style of that. Um, it's such a good marriage. And like more importantly than that, even is the fact that like from what I've heard, it is some of like the best boat mechanics and combat and like systems of any video game. Like it just fe- it feels right. Like it feels like it should feel like to be on that boat and to sail and go across the seas, and, like to kind of, waves turning it and like steering it and using the sails and like the cannons and like it just all feels right and like that's something that's also games have like really struggled with i feel like that this one really nails yeah i mean absolutely i would 100 percent agree and it's funny because when i'm playing with my buddies when terrible sh- when terrible stuff happens to us mm-hmm. we have so much fun yeah and so the other day we were like in a storm and and i think really like a game like this is sort of like Left for Dead, where it helps yeah, you feel that's like a, great, a hero. That's a great analogy. Like yeah. there are stories you can tell from yeah. it because it's not the same each time. Yeah. But we were in a storm, and when you're in a storm, you'll you'll that's you'll know this when you analogy. play. Yeah. Um, when you're in a storm, you can't really you have a hard time harder time controlling your ship. Mm-hmm. The wind does weird stuff, so you constantly have to fight your wheel if okay. you're the one at the wheel. And now they've oh, well, and your compass is going crazy, so you don't know which way is which, the right way yeah. to go. Um, they've added like lightning strikes. So we were like, it was me and my buddies and we were going through a storm and the, me- the Megalodon, which is a giant fish yeah. that can chase after you sometimes was coming after us. It was like the worst case situation. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like one of my buddies is down below, like shoveling water and he just sees like a big, like bright white light. Mm-hmm. Like I just see red on my screen and yeah. I'm like tossed back and I'm like, what just happened? And it was a lightning strike that struck our ship. That's awesome. While we're getting chased awesome. by this fish, which like breaks all your masts. Mm-hmm. Your wheel is now destroyed. It lowers your anchor because it destroys your anchor mechanism. Yeah. So you're just stuck in the ocean with this giant fish up your ass. And just like all of us was like, oh shit. And like, we like, we had no, like someone's trying to like, fix the thing and I'm trying yeah. to barrel water this fish is up our ass and at the same time I was like guys this is so much fun yeah. I'm having such a great time yeah. and that's the thing like the Left 4 Dead analogy is like really really great I think ultimately right because like, I, I can't speak for you but like that game has such a soft spot in my heart like I, I adore Left 4 Dead like that, that's one for me where like if we got Left 4 Dead 3 announcement I would lose my shit like, that's, oh my like that's a game for me where like I would lose my mind yeah, absolutely. Um, I adore Left 4 Dead and like so they're like God, it was, such, it was a really great description, Renee. Like, it's like that game just makes you feel 
like a hero. Like it just fills out. So like each place that game is such a great story. It's such a great, almost like cinematic experience. Every single mission. Cause it's never the same. Like each one has these great, like almost character arcs of like, you like struggle or you die. And like, sometimes you don't succeed, but like the journey to like that failure, the journey to that success, like the last second, like only one guy left in the house gunning down the last right. like zombie thing. Right. Like, it was like, right. Everybody so many, has that story of being in yes. the safe house and having to decide, like, yes. am I going to help my buddies? And, like, stay? there was one for me, too. Like, I'll never, ever forget the rest of my life of, like, being at, like, one of, like, the, like, beachfront house things. And, like, on, like, the very end of that level where you just get, like, the giant, like, final swarm hits mm-hmm. you. And, like, people are going down left and right. That's, like, me and my, like, buddy, like, all just, like, on different floors, like, trying to, like, gun down everybody there and, like, just getting down, like, the last bullets kind of thing. And, like, mm-hmm. it's just such a great visceral feeling. Like, it just tapped into, like, there was like iconic moments from like movies i feel like so well by like actually just having them naturally occur in the games like i didn't need anything more like just your actual journey from like point a to point b was such an amazing narrative based on like what you put into it what kind of like stories you pulled out of that and like what like every time you met like a witch kind of thing like did, like the, oh the, do you fight it or do you like skirt around it like if you get caught and, like just like the paranoia of that like the terror of her like screaming right and like and like the one dumbass that like accidentally shines his light yeah like, oh god yes. damn it just, like, get like furious yeah, yeah like, just yeah, like yeah, cuss yeah. him out and then like, just like <laughs> yeah. lashes onto your face and like rips it off and it's like the giant like huge hulked out monsters guy just like smashes the door all of a sudden now because she's screaming like a banshee and it's like everything about that game just like was one that just like was ready to just fill in so much of what you wanted to like it just made each individual play through its own movie and suddenly you had like an entire like saga of great stories and right. character moments and like individual heroics and failures and triumphs and losses and it was it's just brilliant and it's like it still remains so like spooky and kind of haunting and like brilliantly atmospheric and like to see what they could do so many years later now with like Left 4 Dead 3 and like updated graphics and updated engines and updated mechanics and like story ideas and like characters like it's so exciting right like last year me and three of the other guys from IP actually all played through um Earthfall you know what this is uh, no, actually, it's a it's a knockoff Left 4 Dead basically but like with like aliens instead essentially Dope. um and it's like fine I liked it, I think the most of anybody because like I'm here to just like play a, a Left 4 Dead knockoff essentially. Um, but like that's what it was and like it was goofy and dumb and like it was not it was like fine and kind of thing but like it was a thing of like getting the forest together and just like playing through that game and like going through these missions that were long and dumb and goofy and silly and like th- like trading those in jokes and kind of like the like bits that start to occur was like really fun it's like man like i didn't realize how much i'd miss this like this kind of game until like i had it again where it's like man left 4 dead is something really special right and like it was like one of the last couch co-op games yeah and like people talk all the time about like whether or not these games hold like whether or not it holds up or not and like left 4 dead undoubtedly does because like a game that's only like a third of the quality of it was still just like this is a lot of fun right like it's that thing of like i know this isn't like amazing or a world beater but like what it is is good enough and it's fun enough and right like talking it d- like it does what it does well yeah and like talking like jared and mike and scott and like being like across the country but like still connecting over this like left for dead thing and like just like goofing off and like the dumb again it's that thing like the dumb jokes and bits and like winks that all kind of come together in that game like those kind of games in particular are great and like the kind of triumphs and heroics and failures of it and it's just really really rad and I would lose my shit over Left 4 Dead 3 is what I'm saying. So that's so my answer. Blizzard, uh, 
has sort of announced, said in a statement that they are working on Overwatch 2. Yeah. And it's supposed to be procedurally generated a yeah. la Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Like, they, they're kind of... I don't know if they're basing it off... Le- this is obviously not based on Left 4 Dead, yeah. but it's going to have that same sort of thing. And that excites me a lot. Oh, because, you're an Overwatch guy. Oh, for sure. Okay. And, and uh, it excites me a lot because what I've always been so into for Overwatch is the lore mm. and the backstories of the characters. I want more of that. And I think... I completely agree with, I don't know if it was Jeff Kaplan that said it, but oh, well, yeah. they they said that this format, the first person format, competitive matches, this is not the way that they can tell the stories yeah. of Overwatch. It's just not conducive to that, yeah. but they can do it in a separate type of game that they're now working on. And and that is exciting to me, especially if it's got, if it's procedurally generated because you can have these incredible stories that they build yeah. and then have your own stories like around that. That's the one for me where it's like, so I, I feel like I'm on the boat where like I respect what Overwatch is and what it does, but like I've never been a big Overwatch guy, yeah. Um, which is bizarre because like I love first person shooters. Um, is it just too much? I don't love, I don't love the competitive, like if it was just like there was a story limit to it, I would play the story in a heartbeat, right? Like, sure. I, like for me, like I'm the guy who like, I buy and play Call of Duty's for the campaigns, right? Like I don't play, I like, I like, oh, okay, yeah. I like hop into the multiplayer for like maybe like I think a few you're like hours. the only one that does that. Yeah, basically, right? And so it's like, like my dream Call of Duty thing that I've said for you is like I would love I would lose my mind if they just did a, like a collection of every ca- like every Call of Duty game campaign and just like did all from oh, like wow. Modern Warfare like one to like now I'm like I would love that I would go crazy that's all I would need um, and like they never will and so it's fine but like I would love it. I would love it <laughs> don't so, give up on your dreams and so well, like I love first person shooters. Um, but like I think for me, it's just like the fact that it was like only competitive. It was like I I'm I, I'm never gonna do that, and even if I did, I would never do it enough to be like good enough to make it like worthwhile. And so it's like ah, like I'm fine. But like if they if they do that, right? Like if they have one where it is like procedurally generated, like Left 4 Dead esque, and like you can just go on these like kind of cool mission things without need to be like plugged into like a competitive world where like you're trying to gun against each other. I would love that. Like if it, it could be a thing of like all right, cool. Me and Renee are gonna like tag team up tonight and just like do a like Overwatch mission. They'd be like, "That sounds lit! Like that sure. sounds super cool! Right. Like that idea sounds super enticing!" And so like, it also does to your point seem like a natural evolution to like flesh out those characters and those kind of the lore of that world and the the, the arcs and like potential to like really explore who these people are, right? Because like, for me, it's always been funny because like. Overwatch fans get really into these characters, but it's like there's actually not a lot in the actual game itself that's given you like, right. reason to. And so to kind of flesh that out is like excited for me. And I'm not even somebody who like has any real attachment to these characters, but like that's still exciting. Like I know Tracer, right? But it's like yeah, yeah. I think it's ex- I, I am so into Zenyatta yeah. and his story, but there hasn't yeah, even yeah. been any like comic for him. Really. Yeah, and so like to get further into any of these characters' stories, right? To get them told via a way that's different than what the first game was is super exciting. Also, just because it's like it's a cool risk, right? Like it's, it's something that is very much very different than the first game. So it's like, we're going to change things up because we've confident in our ability to tell the story that way to convey these characters in that way. And to convey these gameplay mechanics that you've grown to love in a different manner, one that still is true to the kind of heart and soul of the game and also still true to what you love, but doing it in a way that we think can do it even more effectively and can connect you even more effectively to both the characters and to fill in your own kind of coloring book story. That's rad. And that's cool. And like, I love that pitch. Is it rad? Yeah. Is it cool? It's rad and cool. (laughs) It's legal and cool. 
Logan, we've been talking for uh, an hour and ten minutes. That's the thing, and yeah, we yeah. never even introduced the podcast. I thought about this earlier because here's the thing: like when we oh, when we started talking, is like well, we just, we're just like bullshitting around. We're just like sure. kind of talking, and then we just got into it. And then I was like, eventually, we're like we'll stop and do like a we're gonna take a break here and introduce the podcast. <laughs> but then you ranted about generational politics for twenty minutes. <laughs> hey, that was a good back and forth. I thought that was a good conversation. <laughs> I enjoy I'm going to show you the audio and it's going to be like your side of the audio is going to like be like completely blued out and mine's going to be like, yeah. I thought that was a good cool. conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I think. No, I mean, it was, it was. It was. Um, um, so. I think that, yeah, like we, well, we can obviously, we'll introduce podcast. We'll, we'll have to just do an, an intro, ep, like a mini intro episode. Yeah, we'll introduce it after the fact. Um, That's fair. Here's That's the okay. thing. No, I mean conversational that, podcasts. I mean that's what we get. You got, show. you got me free fr- flowing right again. Like I grew up on podcasts beyond and kind of funny podcasts that are all conversational podcasts. Um, Greg Miller is the fault of all of my issues, and so he he yeah spiraled at me. Or like again, like IPP the main like the main technical podcast for Rash Fashions routinely two three hours long. I'm not on those podcasts almost ever. Um, <laughs> oh, you're so not, sad. Not because I don't want to, but just because like I'm not. I want everyone at um, home to know that Logan is crying right now. Ex- I'm very much upset. There's tears coming emotional. through. Alex O'Neill, I'm just saying. Damn. Uh, but wasted. Input, which is the podcast I do host, George and Jared, mainly Jared, is like, no, nah, like this shit can't be more than 45 minutes. We're getting, we're getting in and out. It's NPR politics podcast for games. We're going. We're getting done. Damn, I love it. Um, and so it's very much tighter ships. And so it's it's so fun. This to, is your outlet. Exactly, it's fun to do like that free flowing. This, this is your uh, your your Friday so night. So I'm almost surprised. It's only been an hour and ten minutes. I was like, this might have been. We could have been going for a while. Like, that's it's sweet. Flown by. It's adorable. Um, so that's what I would say. That, that are we wrapping the show up now? We can wrap it up now. Um, wrapping it up. Hold on, let me wrapping see if there's anything. Zero. Hold on, let me see if there's anything that. Uh... Oh, my brother's texting me because he's mad at me. Not really. Well, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Pokemon, but I feel like we kind of did. We kind of talked sure. about Pokemon. Talk about Pokemon. Wait, do you, you don't even play Pokemon. I don't even play Pokemon. God bad person. damn it! I want to see Detective Pikachu. I want to do that. You haven't seen it yet? No, I haven't done it. Dude, that movie is a triumph. Yeah, I want to see it's it. It's a tri. It's a triumph if you've played the games at all if you're familiar yeah. with the ip at all exactly and if, in particular like i feel like it's it's a lot of for like if you were like the 151 generation like that Absolutely. one in particular it's like and it's like that's what i was and then i left and so it's like i'm very excited to see it, it looks really funny you're gonna have a good time um yeah like mr mime i'm here honestly just for him oh sure um so i'm very excited for that dude i mean i mean it it was absolutely like i played the games even my my friend john who um he kind of played the games when he was young guys and played them mm-hmm. in a while we both had an amazing yeah. time. It yeah. was so much fun. But it is not for critics who go in there looking for like a hardcore narrative. Looking sure. for like like I I read a couple of reviews from critics, which I'm gonna stop doing because I don't fucking get it. They they did it for um, the King Arthur movie, which I love, but everyone else seems to hate. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Guy Ritchie King Arthur. Oh, that didn't look great. Man, no, did you watch it? I didn't. Dude, no, it was so good. Mm. I'll fight you. Okay. It, I mean, I'm not I arguing rented, with you. I rented it on Amazon. Yeah. I'm probably going to buy it through Amazon. That sounds like something I would do is rent it. Dude. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'll That's a whole nother. That, we could do a whole po- I could do a whole podcast. We, I mean, I'm very much, we will definitely do like some sort of like single topic discussion pods of sure on I would love some to. sort of movie or video game in I the will, future, obviously. That, that would actually be a dream. I would fight you. I will fight anybody on the King Arthur I'll, movie. I'll, I'll watch this movie and then we can do a podcast on just King Arthur, the Guy Ritchie movie. Gloves on, yeah. shirts off. Yeah, oh yeah. Anyway. I can get behind. 
yeah, that I mean critics were just like, yeah, Detective Pikachu movie, the plot doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, because you don't. The, do you even have a? Did you ever catch a Pidgey on Route One? Did you ever catch a you Pidgey piece man? of shit? Like they just don't get it. But like the on interviews loved it because it was so solid. And like they, you can tell there was so much care and love put into the yeah. movie. And actually thinking about like how Pokemon would fit into yeah a world. That's I that's what I really dig about that movie. My favorite thing that I've read or seen about that is they like interviewed some people who made the movie, talking about how like Mr. Mime originally wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. Like when they were talking about how like his character design was like it was like it, we don't think it'll work in the movie. Like we don't think we can like actually like, depict him as like an actual thing that exists. Because he's so anthropomorphic. Exactly in the movie, it's like they didn't know what to do about it. And so like we don't think he'll work and like, you read him in the script and like he's a somewhat big role and like we don't think we can do this like we don't think it like it will work yet. it might have to like cut that out of the movie and then like ultimately like it did work people loved his character and like his scenes are like some of the highlights of the entire oh, yeah. movie from what I've heard and like it, from the trailers he steals every trailer and so it's like uh, I'm very excited to see that but just like it's such a cool moment again of like this thing that like they thought would be like a failure like might not even work becomes like the thing that everybody loves like I always love those moments and like stories where it's like a movie or a game or like a play like Things where it's like we don't even know if this part is gonna work, but like here it is, and like we're actually like the most anxious about that, and it becomes like the most popular thing. Yeah, those like calculated um, risks. Yeah, and so uh, I very much will watch that. I'm very excited about that. I'm gonna see Godzilla's weekend first, though. That's a priority. Very excited about Godzilla. Yeah. I've heard I've heard mixed things, but generally positive. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm a big Godzilla guy. So I don't know what am I gonna do? Oh, I know what I'm gonna do this weekend, but it's a surprise. <sighs> so I can't talk about it. Surprise. Oh, surprise. So that's this episode. Yep. I, of Adventures Through Time and Space. What's your, what's your What's your name? My name? Yeah. My name is Logan Wilkinson. You can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Snapchat, Google Pixel Video Lives okay. broadcast um, at Lefty Logie. Um, all there, good stuff. Um, sometimes I tweet cute things at Renee every now and again. Oh. Um, but you can also find all the stuff I do at Irrational Passions at Irrational Pod. Um, input a video game news show goes live every Friday. This is, this is the plug segment now. We're into that. Okay, cool. Welcome cool, to cool, Podcast cool. 101. Um, <laughs> that's what outros all are. Um, so you find all that. It's very good. We're doing a bunch of E3 stuff. Uh, I will be hosting a the Ubisoft reaction show and maybe the one for the Kind of Funny Game Showcase as well. We might just make it one show because it's a lot of time and work. Um, and so check out all that stuff over at Rush Passions. And it's very exciting. What a time to be live. Video games, movies. Damn. Cinema, generational cycles. Renee, where can the people find you? What uh, do you guys say? My name is Renee Castro. Uh, you can find me uh, just on the Twitters. <laughs> at Renee Google Pixel video, Snapchat Live. None of that other VR. stuff. Um, cut out so a lot of social media. Yeah, makes sense. And not even from like a conscious decision. It was just like something I just didn't want to keep up with, except yeah. for Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Twitter Renee Instagram, Facebook. Nine, yeah. At Renee4591. You can yeah. yell at me. Uh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, you can find all my stuff at right here because this is what I do now. <laughs> you can find uh, it. You've listened to you've it. Listen to the thing that Spoiler, I do. You've made it to the end. You've listened to me now. I, I inceptioned you actually. If you made uh, it this far, I didn't know it. It's pretty amazing, actually. Um, I guess I'm on Goodreads, <laughs> <laughs> um, but not really. Um, but no, that was basically it. Thanks for listening. Everybody. That's it. Thank you for listening, and we love you. Eat pancakes. That's a good outro. Yeah, eat pancakes. Eat pancakes, man. That's it. In that. The end. The end. <laughs> TM. <laughs> <laughs>